Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm still your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You don't know what what I'm going to say now, do you? I don't. No, no, no. This is a a bold new world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm doing okay. (laughs) Better than I was yesterday. (laughs) Good. Definitely yesterday when we last recorded. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one is going to notice that there's been a weird time warp thing. Absolutely I think not. it's a sign that we're getting really confident with our recording, that we're a bit more chilled about when it happens, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, this is another one of our unboxing slash first look episodes for the Innsmouth Conspiracy Deluxe Expansion, number four. And we've got two factions left. We've got Seeker and Guardian. And I had this sudden scary moment that, do you remember when I did the first looks for the starter decks? I ended. I did random order, and I was pretty sure that we'd ended up doing the exact same random order this time, which would make it seem like I'd fudged the order. But I haven't. It's just turned out that way. And then I realised that it actually hasn't turned out as the same order anyway. Anyway, here we go. So um, two left. So on odd, we'll do guardian, and on even, we'll do seeker. It's even a two. That so we're doing a, seeker. That, that was a weird way of doing that, Frank. Because I, I would have done one to three was one and four to six is the other. But you've done odds and evens. Yeah. But this dice isn't a six-sided dice either. It's oh, an really? eight-sided dice. Oh, no way. Well, one to four yeah. and then five to eight I would have done. Actually, I think that's I interesting. Don't... Maybe there's some kind of... Let's do some psychological experimentation on that behind the scenes. Figure out why that I is. I think because I'm such so good at rolling dice, I always roll high numbers. Obviously. I see. Right, okay. It means it's not actually a fair... <laughs> decision if i do one to three and four to six yeah okay so, i mean obviously that's not true because i just rolled a two everyone, but, <laughs> um, that's why i like to split it a different way you know uh, so yeah we're doing seeker and i think i read dexter so i think it's your turn to read amanda oh wow cool right let's go then so we have amanda sharp the student she has two willpower two intellect two combat and wouldn't you know it two agility she has the Miskatonic and Scholar traits, and she has uh, her ability is rather forced. At the start of the investigation phase, draw one card. Discard the card beneath Amanda Sharp. Choose a card from your hand and place it beneath her. Then she has a reaction ability. At the start of a skill test you are performing, commit the card beneath Amanda Sharp if able. Do not discard it when the test ends. Elder Sign effect is plus zero. For this test, you may double the number of skill icons on the card beneath Amanda Sharp. And she has 7 health and 7 sanity. <laughs> have we been jumping straight into the deck building stuff when we've been doing these? Yeah, we have. Yeah, <laughs> Yesterday we did, yeah. We did Just yesterday. Okay, cool, right. Her deck has 30 natural deck building options, seeker cards, level 0 to 5, neutral cards, 0 to 5, and practiced cards, level 0 to 3. Mm. Deck building requirements... Uh, obscure studies, whispers from the deep, and a random basic weakness. That is Amanda. Yeah. Wow. She's a she's a fascinating. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. I think I'd like to start with a meta comment, Go on. which is that I've seen a lot of people talking about Innsmouth and being excited about it, and my feeling is Amanda is the least mentioned of these five investigators. 
And I wonder if people, broadly speaking, have gone, oh, she's quite hard to get your head around. I'm just going to put a pin in that and come back to it later. I mean, that might be me projecting. But that's certainly one of my responses to that kind of stat line is like, oh, I, I don't know how to even begin with that. But yeah, on the one hand, she's definitely probably, she's definitely probably, she's definitely the most complicated of the investigators in this box. Yeah. And on the other hand, she's sort of simple because she's two 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 seven seven just basically one faction deck building. So yeah, really... Here's my first challenge for you, Frank. Mm. Is she really 2-2-2-2? Yeah, great challenge. Because of course, on any given turn... She will have at least one icon. Yeah. Like the very minimum she's going to have is one stat at three, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'd hope maybe more than that because you're you're figuring out what you're going to do. And you'd also hope that the stat she has boosted is one that you're planning on using for that turn. I'm aware you may be limited by the number of cards in your hand. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's a forced effect to choose a card and place it beneath her. So if the only cards you have in your hand are two copies of Emergency Cash, (laughs) you're you're forced to put one because you draw a card and it draws you your other copy of Emergency Cash. So you have to just put one underneath her. This is interesting because... You know, there's there's a lot of other options than emergency cash at the moment. Uh, yes, that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give you resources like um, crack the case, for instance. Yeah, it's kind of can just be treated like an emergency cash, but it does have an intellect icon on it. Yes, and burning the midnight oil now as well, and um, cryptic writings is it as well? Yeah. Like if you've ended up with any of those in your hand, that's a better option than emergency cash. A, a point I just want to make you do count as committing the card to the test yeah. rather than it just adding the icons to your uh, to your to your stats yeah and i think that's the kind of counterpoint of you put it to me does she really have two in all stats and the answer is yes if you don't take any tests <laughs> yeah if you, if your turn is you know a draw play an asset play an asset the card underneath you is useless so it it sort of depends also what you turn her hand to in any given turn. And I suppose there's also possibilities that you put some agility icons underneath her because you've drawn an enemy. And then for whatever reason, you don't need to evade. Maybe a, a teammate takes the enemy off you or something like that. And then you're sort of going, oh, okay, why did I do that then? Yes. So yeah, there's a few things I like. I like that it's at the start of the investigation phase. So you get to see what happens with Mythos. Um, and it's a little bit like Joe Diamond. You reveal your hunch deck at the start of investigation phase and everyone goes, oh, okay, you've got that. How do we fit the team around that? I think that's really nice. Yeah. The other thing I'm noticing here is that it's the start. You can only commit the cards to your own tests. Yes, absolutely right. Yes. I think we also shouldn't sleep on the fact that she draws a card every turn. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she discards. She effectively discards an extra card every turn. Mm-hmm. But one would presume after having committed that card to a skill test, at least one skill test at which point you would be discarding the card anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I think So as soon as you can get more than one test out of a card, you're, you're pulling ahead. I think one of the first changes you go through, especially if you've come to Arkham, this is like a kind of a very grand statement, which I might, I might be talking total nonsense, but let, let's, let's run up the flagpole and see how people respond to it. Yeah, please. One of the first changes you make, especially if you've come from, say, a board gaming background to, to card gaming, is how disposable do you view the cards in your hand? Mm-hmm, yeah. And and what the use of the card is versus succeeding in the test you're testing now that you could commit yeah. the card to. 
Mm-hmm. And to an extent, I think Amanda forces you to confront that quite head on because you have to commit a card in your hand to her tests. You have to take a card from your hand, put it beneath it, and then that goes into all of your tests. Like mm. you say, you could have a handful of cards that you want to you want to play them all. You could have like three good assets in your hand, but you still got to put one beneath it, and that gets mm. added to your skill tests. Yeah. So that's going to then have further impact that we can't quite quantify yet of her deck composition and how many skills you run in her deck anyway, because you know you're going to be doing this commitment. And then there's also, for me, the quite nice tension between her stats seem lower than average or are lower than average. So I maybe want to build in some things that I can either do things testlessly or have assets to boost my stats. But on the other hand, she's leaning into skills. So... She wants to have cards to commit to have high skill values. So, yeah, how that shakes out in deck building, I think, is going to be really fascinating. I like the fact that you could also be... So, you know, in other investigators, you'll get like a one-turn trick card, right? It's like your mind over matter or uh, flight or mm. uh, fight or flight. Yeah. And you could be like, well, for a turn, I can super supercharge myself. Amanda can do something similar, so she holds back like a, an inquiring mind... <laughs> or she's yeah. got something like a, um, I mean, even like a manual dexterity in her hand. Yeah, she saves those for t- for a turn, and then boom, she's she's evading or she's punching all turn. Mm, I quite yeah. like that as well. E- even a perception, she's suddenly investigating at a four. If you're just going to spend the turn investigating, that's investigate at four three times and draw three cards. Yeah, yeah, like that's incredible power. The neutral skills might be really nice in her for that. Sort of just like solid boost and lots of card draw. Yeah. Practiced skills. Yes. I don't think we need to go through all of them. No, give me some highlights. There's quite a few. There's the 27. So every faction is represented. For Survivor, it's a single skill, stunning blow. But then there's also some ones that I'm excited about. Take the Initiative has three wild icons. Promise of Power that we saw in the Mystic Unboxing has four wild icons and is practiced. Overpower and perception of practice, she can take them anyway, but also the leveled up overpower and perception, which have triple icon and draw you two cards. Yeah. Are level two. It's pretty good. Um, what else can I shout out? There's Daredevil in Rogue. Deduction is obviously practice, but she can take it anyway. And Vicious Blow as well. Yeah. I mean, Vicious Blow is ones that people have talked about. So because she's a seeker, it's easy to jump straight to wanting to put in intellect cards right but mm-hmm. her intellect is only as good as her combat yeah is the level up leveled up vicious blow she can take that as well i presume yeah yeah but again i loop back to that thing about the reaction she can only commit the vicious blow to her own tests so unless she has some sort of a weapon she's fighting at a four with vicious blow too well which isn't yes true although if she's got some other kinds of stat boosts or some some cards that can give her like a generic stat boost i'm trying to think mm-hmm. of something that might be appropriate in in seeker anyway like i'm thinking like a like a something like well prepared or, or dark horse or something but in seeker do you know what i mean mm. yeah something that could give her or, or well connected yeah something like that would seem to be just like kind of the icing on the cake for her encyclopedia yeah. there you go Encyclopedia, yeah. So with Vicious Blow and Encyclopedia, because she doesn't need a weapon, then she's she's got a fairly decent fight, right? She's a six, yeah. yeah. And she's dealing extra damage from the Vicious Blow. Yeah. That's pretty nice, yeah. That's like that. kind of uh, in, the, in the 
the fairly trashy but but enjoyable Sherlock Holmes, uh, Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes film. He does this thing <laughs> yeah. where, like, because he's so clever, he can figure out where to punch someone just to take them out yes. really quickly. That's exactly what Amanda yeah. Sharp's doing. Perspiration, heart rate, raised, hit, <laughs> temple, whatever it is. It does. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So I watched it recently again. It's so trashy, but it is so fun. Impair vision, throw dust in eye, whatever it is. Yeah, it's very good. So yeah, the practice, it's the, the thing that's uh, fascinating to me is that practice is a little bit like innate for Silas. It's, I don't think, I think the, the red herring here is that you put every practice skill you can into Amanda because she can take practice skills. And I think the challenge will be actually about picking and choosing practice skills that she can really make the most of. It's reminded me we haven't run our, our occasional feature, Patrice Makes Perfect, in a while. <laughs> we haven't. We'll have no. to come back to that. Yeah. And we'll have to do like a weird new version of that of Patrice Makes Perfect, but for Amanda. Yeah. Practice yeah. Makes Amanda, but it doesn't work in the same way. Cool. So her signature positive card is Obscure Studies. It's an event, zero cost, triple wild icon, Amanda's deck only, it's insight traded, fast, play when you initiate a skill test, return the card beneath Amanda to your hand, and place Obscure Studies beneath her. So that is Obscure Studies. Uh, yeah. Uh, did she get one of these? Just a singleton, yeah. Hmm. This, well, I guess what this does then, I'm not immediately blown away by it, I've got to admit. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I feel like you could, you know, you're running something like, probably running something like Unexpected Courage in Amanda, just mm-hmm. as a generic wild icon boost. What it does is if you get stuck with, you, you can, you can do a one-off test with a, with a, a good skill card and then put this under underneath her instead right yeah so you could do like uh say if you use inquiring mind to find the last clue on a location yeah. you then swap in obscure studies and you get to use the inquiring mind on the next turn yeah it doesn't discard at the start of the next investigation phase yeah that's a possibility i'm also seeing this as a way of triggering her ability halfway through a turn if you realize you've gone down a blind alley yes maybe you put a whatever it is a perception on amanda and then move into a location that spawns an enemy you're like oh and you can use this to start the evade get the perception back to hand and give yourself a plus three from the obscure studies and because you're putting obscure studies underneath amanda it then stays all the way through the next mythos and to the next investigation phase that's the other place i could see this maybe being useful exactly yeah if if you've gone with like a a feet icon or something during your turn because you needed it or or like perception level two and then you Mm -hmm. get hit by a crippling willpower treachery in the mythos phase you swap that back and then you can yeah you've got the three icons for the mythos phase Mm. At that point, you just commit you're then going to lose Obscure Studies as soon as the investigation phase begins because you discard the card underneath her. But you've still got the card back yeah. that you had underneath her, so it's still better than just committing the Obscure Studies, Yes, which seems pretty good. I think like my reaction is it looks like a really straightforward card, and I wonder if it's actually quite a tricksy card and will allow some really playful things for Amanda because you can do some swaps sort of halfway through a turn. And I almost feel like I want to play Amanda first without thinking about obscure studies at all and just get my head around how she works and then add in this extra ability which says, oh, now that you're used to Amanda, you can actually play her quite differently if you want to and change halfway through a turn. It's like um, improvisation in Lola. You 
get used yeah. to changing <laughs> once a turn and then suddenly improvisation gives you a chance to change twice a turn and it's like oh uh how do i make the most of this yeah yeah no i i i, I think that's a that's a smart observation i think it's yeah, it's 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 use will come out. I think I think we didn't really say this when we talked about Amanda. I like you like you hinted that I think she can be a bit a bit like Lola that once she's set a path for the turn, it's a bit harder to deviate from that. If you've mm. if you've done non wild icons on the skill card you've put beneath her, um, and this gives you like a bit of a get out clause for that. Yeah, and it gives you a triple wild get out clause, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can even do something with take the initiative as well. Because first action you have three icons, second action you have two, third action you really actually need three icons and you get to take the initiative back to hand and give yourself three from obscure studies. Yeah. Do you want to read Whispers from the Deep? Yeah, I, I would love to. Uh, Whispers from the Deep. This is a skill weakness, one of the, the rarer types of weakness. Mm. It has a horrible black wild icon and it has curse. This skill's icons subtract from your skill value instead of adding to it. Forced, when choosing a card to place beneath the mana sharp, if Whispers in the Deep is in your hand, you must choose it. Pretty mean. Yeah, I mean, if you knew what Amanda's card was and how her ability worked, you could almost design this weakness off that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is often the way with weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I think it's on the nose is a weakness for Amanda. What it's making me think of is that you said earlier, but is her stat line 2222? And <laughs> Whispers from the Deep says, no, it's 1111. <laughs> it's just, and it's only a turn. It's actually reminding me of Dexter's weakness as well um, that we, we talked about yesterday, which is you can deal with it. The ideal is you deal with it within a turn and it actually doesn't have too big an impact. And I think that's the same with this. Once you have it in hand, it's an annoyance for that turn, and you've got to hope that the turn that you have it is not the turn that you were hoping to do lots of tests. Yeah. But then it's gone. Yeah, and you'll probably see it again when you loop your deck. But yeah, its impact is very controlled in the space of time. Yes. Uh, there's also only a 50-50 chance you'll draw it uh, at the beginning of your turn. Well, I mean, you'll be drawing cards less than a 50-50 chance, one would imagine, actually, in Seeker. If you can draw it during your turn, you know that you're going to have to place it underneath you the next turn. Mm. Yeah. So you almost get an element of... The best thing to do would be to you know draw a card, place it beneath Amanda, then play a cryptic research to draw three cards and draw this. Because you have a whole turn and a whole mythos phase where you don't you have it in your hand and you know it's gonna it's gonna go beneath her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any abilities that discard cards from hand that could target weaknesses? I don't think so at the moment. I was wondering if there's a clever way of once you have it in hand getting rid of it, but I don't think there is. Can you just can you not commit it to any skill test? Yeah. That's so actually if, a really good point. Yeah. If you draw on your turn, yeah. You commit it to that skill test to get it out of your hand before it before you have to if place you it even either. draw it in upkeep and then in mythos you get hit by a test you just commit this tank the mythos test or give yourself minus one for the mythos test so that you don't get minus one for your turn yeah wow it's got a lot more manageable yeah and if you're packing many icons anyway in amanda you'll take the initiatives and inquiring minds and unexpected courages lots of wild icons it makes one of those cards marginally less good but not really that 
that much worse. You just lose an icon. Try and, and you go. burn through as many cards as you can with Rook to try and draw it as soon as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, at that, at that point, yeah, you chuck it into an investigate and fail the investigate and it's cost you a single action. It's fine. So, yeah. Okay, that's Amanda. And we're moving on to our Seeker cards. Yes. So first we have the Cryptographic Cipher. Three cost asset, an intellect icon, item and tool traded, uses three secrets. Free trigger, exhaust cryptographic cipher and spend one secret, secret, investigate. Your location gets plus one shroud for this investigation. Action, exhaust cryptographic cipher and spend one secret, investigate. Your location gets minus two shroud for this investigation. Takes up a hand slot. It's very easy to read this card and not understand why you would ever play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or at least use the first ability. Yes. Yeah. Why would you ever want to increase the shroud on your location? Especially when the other ability reduces the shroud? Mm. But, and admittedly, I didn't notice this until you read it out, Frank. <laughs> yeah. The first is a free action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my hot take on this, Peter, is that this is two cards rammed into one. And maybe the cost of three is is that. So on the one hand, you've got a three secret card that allows you three free investigates. Mm-hmm. At slight, the, the penalty is the slightly higher shroud. And on the other hand, you've got a slightly, ex, a, a one more expensive flashlight, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or uh, I guess you could also say a one more expensive, uh, what's it called? Otherworldly Compass. Does that drop your shroud by two? I'm sure it does. I'm going to look it up. Isn't it by one for each connection or something like that? Yes, the number of revealed locations connected to your realm. Even worse than flashlight, but not the compass, is that this also exhausts. So you can't even do the thing you do with flashlight of put it down at a two shroud location and investigate twice at dropping the shroud to zero and cruising the clues. Cryptographic cipher won't allow you to do that, which is kind of irritating. No, no. And, and, and you could argue that of all the factions who want to uh, to do something like that, Seekers mm. are probably low down on the list. Yeah. So that means I'm looping back around to the fact that this gives us three actions for free to investigate. Yeah. And that actually what Seekers want is ways of investigating more. But there's actually someone else who might really like this, is my instinct here. Go on. And because it, the clue really is that this is a cipher and that it's codes. And of course, we have the spy in this box, Trish Scarborough. Yes, we do. And when she gets clues, she gets to evade enemies or get more clues. So having ways of getting clues uh, actionlessly is really useful for her. Like, say, having a cryptographic cipher that you can exhaust as a free action and spend a secret. So that's pretty cool. And that opens up all sorts of options for her about getting clues not in the investigation phase because you're just looking for free triggered windows, which is pretty nice. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I li- I, you know what? I do think I like this. I like one card that's a couple of other cards you might run strapped together. Yeah, yeah. Because it helps you with deck slots, and I always have trouble cutting myself down to an, the right number of cards for a deck. Yeah, same. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like it. I think I like it. You know, it, it's it's three three perceptions together. Or it's it's uh, three free actions, mm. and the other thing you get, which we sometimes I certainly bang on about, is you get the choice. 
So yeah. if you rumble into that next location, it's actually five shroud and you're not set up to deal with that. You do have a way of dropping the shroud. But also if you rumble into the next location and it's one shroud, you use the, the fast ability and just start scooping the clues more quickly. So you get that you get that choice. I, my prediction is that people will pan this card because it's not as good as Fingerprint Kid. But I don't think it's trying to do what Fingerprint Kid. No, I, you know what? I think it probably sits in, in a good spot for out-of-faction uh, investigators who have a, a decidedly middling uh, intellect value. Mm. So... Or like a three or a four, yeah, right. I think I think Jenny could take it and do okay with it. I mean, Jenny does like fingerprint kit as well, but I think Jenny could take yeah. it and and make good use out of it. I think Finn could take it and it would be all right in Finn. Yeah, although Finn obviously probably wants to get something like lockpicks, mm. because mm. as you say, you know, you jump into a one shroud location with an intellect of three or four, you could quite easily get a free clue by using the top ability. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. at the same time, if you're going into a five shroud location, for a five shroud location, you can use a second ability and probably pass the test. Yeah. So I think it, there's, there's a nice, there's a nice space for it for people who are like, and want to do a little bit of cluing. And in, in solo, potentially, because it's getting single clues. That's one mm-hmm. of the problems with yeah. fingerprint kit is that it gets double clues. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of why I never play fingerprint kit. Yeah. And final point, the most important point, uses secrets. So my truth from fiction deck is <laughs> yes. getting stronger and stronger. <laughs> cool. Should we move on? Yeah, let's, let's. And it's me again, is it? Mm-hmm. This is a three-cost asset. This is the Cryptic Grimoire. That's the wrong order. This is the Cryptic Grimoire. It's a three-cost asset. Uh, <laughs> it is untranslated, and it has a wild icon. Item, Tome, Occult. Action. Add one cursed to- curse token to the chaos bag. Action: If there are ten cursed tokens in the chaos bag, discard cryptic grimoire. Record in your campaign log that you have translated the grimoire. Replace five cursed tokens in the chaos bag with five blessed tokens, and it takes up a hand slot. I mean, this mm. is hard to get your head round for a number of reasons. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what it translates into. And to an extent, we don't know how difficult it is to get 10 curse tokens into the Chaos Bag. Because I tell you what, Frank, I'm not spending 11 actions, plus an action to play it in three resources, to translate the, <laughs> translate this grimoire. Yeah, it's a very slow way of getting there. So I'm thinking if you've got ways of putting clumps of curse tokens into the bag, like, say, playing Faustian Bargain, you, you play the grimoire, put the curses in, other ways, you know, by getting some kind of benefit for you taking curses and all promise of power that adds to curse as well. And then you maybe finish off, you're up to eight curses and you do a couple of actions and finish it off. I like the idea that you then replace five of the the curse tokens with, with bless and then immediately play dark ritual and seal five of the other curse tokens and yeah, go back to zero. Yeah, that's nice. But that seems quite extreme to go from 10 to zero. Like if you're going to go to 10 curses, my instinct is you're just going to accept that you're going to get hit by curses and you're going to either have decks that can go really high in their stat to mitigate that or decks that don't care about failing or whatever else it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's so hard to judge these things when we don't know what they upgrade into. And the other thing, of course, is that all the time, you're, as you're putting more curse tokens in, you're more likely to draw one, which gets you yeah, out the bag. Tests. Yeah. So I, I think of all of the untranslated ones we've seen, this is the hardest. And I think it will... We haven't seen the upgraded ones, have we? For this? Yeah. Because no. we have... 
I, I got slightly confused because we have seen, obviously, the upgraded uh, card in Harvey. Yes, exactly. That was a really nice way of doing an untranslated card because we got the base and the upgrades in one pack. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because at least in Harvey, action to draw a card, and which is what you have to do five times, at least for Harvey, he gets to draw two cards when he does that action. So he gets a little bit of a benefit. If we were to see someone who you know says, every time you add a curse token to the chaos bag, draw a card or get a resource, whatever it is, that might be more useful for this grimoire because you think, okay, there's, it's worth it to spend the actions to add curses because I'm going to get other things. But as it stands at the moment, it's it's just digging your own grave. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're playing Daisy, it's still eleven turns. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like put it yeah, on yeah, uh, Abigail and uh, do it twice a turn. <laughs> Come on, Abigail, read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. True. There's one final point I'd make. It does have the occult trait, which means Marie and Akachi can take it. And we did see with Archaic Glyphs, because they upgraded into spells, those people, they they could run them. So maybe the Cryptic Grimoire will upgrade into some kind of a spell. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Yeah. Because it's somewhat mean for those investigators to be able to take level zero untranslated things that then they can't take the upgrades of. But we'll just wait and see. Cool, that is the Grimoire. Yes. Next, we have Deep Knowledge. This is a Seeker event, zero cost and zero XP, willpower and intellect icons. It's insight and cursed treated. As an additional cost to play Deep Knowledge, add two cursed tokens to the Chaos Bag. Investigators at your location draw a combined total of three cards. You decide how many cards each investigator draws. Yeah, this seems all right. Let's compare it to um, the sketches, which is mm-hmm. two cost for three cards, and yep. only you draw the cards. And you need a clue on your location. And you need a clue on your location. So compared to that, it's, it's a pretty much a straight upgrade. Um, I mean, compared to, say, Cryptic Research, mm-hmm. that's zero cost for three cards, mm-hmm. but fast, and obviously four XP. So... I don't know. I, I like a zero-cost event that draws you three cards. I think that's nice. Um, I really like putting sketches into Joe's hunch deck, for instance. Mm, mm, Always yeah. feels nice to get that at a two-cost discount. Yeah, yeah. I think there's another comparison here, which is with Faustian Bargain. A zero-cost oh, yeah, event yeah. that puts two curses in the bag and does something for the team. And I suppose when I think about that, I think, okay, are three cards and five resources about equal? It felt like five resources was a lot more generous. But if this said investigators at your location draw a combined total of four cards, I'd be worried that this was too strong at level zero. Yeah. So I think I think three is probably the place it needs to be before it becomes kind of broken. Yeah, I think everything we said about Faustian Bargain and weighing up how good or bad curses are in the bag applies here as well and again as we've said in previous episodes we'll have to come back and do a bless curse episode when we have more of a sense of it yep but yeah the fact that this is zero cost and can just dig you out of a hole for hand for for drawing cards is pretty cool and if you do a a testless amanda because you decide to play around with just trying to pass tests without taking them at all you know maybe things like say an art student to get you clues or working a hunch Maybe you don't care about putting curses in the bag and you use deep knowledge to just fill your hand really quickly and you've got all the options you need. Final point, this could help with the grimoire. 
I'd much rather spend an action to draw three cards and put two curses in the bag than I would to sp- spend an action to put a single curse. Maybe if you're doing the grimoire thing, you run two of these. Cool. Well, should we move on? Anything else to want to add? To That's, add to that? I'm done. Okay. The well is dry. Cool. Yeah. This has worked really well because you get to read plan of action. Oh, great. <laughs> so last of all, we have plan of action. And this is a skill card with a single wild icon and it has the practiced trait. Uh, if this skill test is during or before the first action of this turn, plan of action gains a willpower and an agility icon. If the skill test is between the first and third actions of this turn, draw one card if it succeeds. If this skill test is during or after the third action of this turn, plan of action gains a combat and an intellect pip. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's us for today. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> so little point of uh, rules yes. querying. The extra icons and things happen on your turn. So if you commit this in Mythos, you just get a wild icon. Uh, It behaves in the same way as Quick Learner, which has the same templating about during or before the first action of this turn and Ah, uh, during or after the third action. So this this card (laughs) only cares... (laughs) Yeah, that text box is only active on your turn. Right. What it also means is... Luckily, this one says of this turn. So... If we're playing together, Peter, and you're running plan of action, and it's my second action on my turn, if you commit plan of action to me, you would draw a card. But if it was my third action, you would give plan of action a combat or an intellect icon. So yeah, just a bit fiddly that you need to care about what actions people are at. But I've been playing Quick Learner in Stella, and it's actually quite easy to keep track of which action you're on. And I actually have just been putting three dice in a little... um, in a sort of diagonal line in front of me. So the first action, it's high up because I've got plus two difficulty and by the last action, it's low down. And it just, I find that visual reminder really easy to remind me of, oh yeah, and this this test's easy or this test's hard. I don't know if you could do a similar thing with plan of action, but yeah. I think from a a thematic point of view, we've often said that willpower and agility are your defensive stats Mm. and combat and intellect are your offensive stats. It's not us that came up with that. I just think it's, it's it's a neat thing. Yeah, that has been said quite a bit about the game. And this card, I, I like that in this card, that if it's before you've had a chance to get ready, then it's you're reacting to something that, that's happening. If it's in the middle of your turn, you're, you're kind of making plans and doing stuff, so you're getting more ideas, so it draws a card. And then mm-hmm. at the end of your turn, you're like, right, we're ready now. Let's, let's take the fight to the mythos. Mm-hmm. Let's make progress. Let's make progress. Yeah. So I think from a thematic point of view, it's really good. I just think, I don't know why you take this over a lot for the similar cards that are much better. Yeah, and we're a podcast that people get to listen to and hear our thoughts. I don't really have any thoughts about this, but you definitely do have thoughts about <laughs> do it. Do I? You've hinted at <laughs> with your response. And we've talked about it behind the scenes, but I'd, I'd encourage you to share some of that with the listeners. So like compare this card to Unexpected Courage. Where does it? Where does it fall for you? Well, I just think it's strictly worse than unexpected courage, right? Because it's mm-hmm. that's always two two icons, and it's two icons during the mythos phase. Yeah, this is a very it's it's a lot of work to get the benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether there's there's some kind of good interaction I'm not seeing here. Well, we also went to talk about Amanda then, and this is where it's worse in Amanda as well. So if you have unexpected courage under the you, you get plus two, plus two, plus two. And then in Mythos, plus two. So you get eight icons out of an unexpected courage. Yeah. And if you have plan of action underneath Amanda, you get 
maybe plus two, plus one draw a card, maybe plus two, plus one. So at best, you get six icons out of it. Yeah. But that that's relying on your first action being a willpower and an agility test and your third action being an intellect or a combat test. So it's four to six icons. Yeah. So it, that's where I completely agree with you that it's strictly worse it's than It's definitely courage. better than having a, a one non-wild icon underneath her. And it's better than mm-hmm. having a single wild icon under her. Yeah. But I'm not sure what, what skill card she's putting... Are there any other secret cards that have a single wild icon? True understanding. Well, there you go. Yeah, actually a good card. Yeah, but true understanding, you can't commit to most tests because it needs to be a test on an encounter Oh, card. yeah, that is true. Yes, yes. I mean, true understanding has its place, I think. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as, yeah as, as a testless clue. Mm-hmm. Maybe less mm-hmm. so in... You know what? In Amanda, you could still just commit true understanding. You don't have to put it underneath her. Mm-hmm. You can commit it when you yeah. want. Or if you're like a... I don't know. I can see there might be a scenario where there's a repeatable free test on a card and that's Amanda and True Understanding's time to shine. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I don't know. Free action test to willpower to place a clue on an adjacent location kind of thing. Yeah. She just sits and there. And you're like, right. Mm. Come on, True Understanding. But this, I just... I, I don't see... It's too fiddly. What, what did I say? I, I had this, I had this. Yeah, I think I said this that the flex. It's not flexibility because if a card's more flexible, you you mm. rein in the power to an extent, right? Yeah, because it, it's it's more broadly applicable. If a card has more limitations, you can expect it to be a bit more powerful. So it's it's a higher mm. variance card. You, you, yeah. you can't use it as often, but it's, it makes more of an impact when you do. The ultimate, yeah. Take take the initiative is a good comparison with yes. unexpected courage. There, yes, exactly. Impactful yes. a mythos, and at the start of your turn, loses power by the end of your turn. And really, when we rate these cards, what we want to do is understand how often it's going to be applicable, and how much better it is on those occasions when it is applicable. Uh, and to me, on first blush, this looks like a card that might be more flexible. Which is why the power is reined in. But actually, when you lay it out and when you can use it, it's not really that flexible. You can't really choose. You don't get any choice, really, in how it's applied. Mm-hmm. Or it's very hard to. It's it's hard to say, well, I know I need to do a willpower test before my first action, but during my turn. That's quite... <laughs> yeah. I think that's quite a rare... A rare that's the, un- the unnameable, right? That's the one... Take a willpower test at the start of every turn. And even then, right, yeah. it's still only two icons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as you said to me, and as we kind of concluded as we talked about this behind the scenes, the other thing is if you say, well, this might be better in Amanda than it is elsewhere, as I did say, it still needs to be compared to other cards in Amanda. Like An investigator making a card better doesn't make that card necessarily better in total it means that that card then needs to compete in that investigator's deck-building pool and sphere of influence. To give another example, I think Eureka is a really good card in Silas, mm-hmm. but I, p- part of the reason I think it's good is that it's a really good innate skill card that he makes even more use out of, and he can do better things with Eureka than he can with other innate skills. It doesn't mean that Eureka is somehow therefore a better card. Um, and yeah, I think whether or not Amanda makes this better sort of is by the by. Yeah. Final final point, I think. Yeah, well, did, it's got, didn't I say this? Go on, yeah. I, I'm sure I made this point where people say, oh, it's better in Amanda. 
But then all skill cards are better than Amanda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is where the unexpected courage thing exactly. comes from. You get eight, eight icons for unexpected courage. So is it actually better? Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you can't say, well, it's better than an unexpected courage out of Amanda when you play yeah, this exactly. in Amanda because unexpected courage is also better in Amanda. It's like saying Desperado is good in Netrunner, but it's not good in Arkham. It's like, well, yeah, because it's not a card in Arkham. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it has Trish on the art. Are we are we barking up the wrong tree with wondering about? I was going to say this exact thing, and I, I don't see how. No. The option it gives her is it 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 if you're running say manual dexterity and perception in in Trish, you instead just run two plans of action. First action you might need to evade, so you get a wild and an agility from plan of action. Last action, you might be getting clues, so you get a wild and an intellect from plan of action. And if you can avoid doing that, you can get the ability you would have got from the manual dexterity or the perception by doing just, middle uh, action and yeah, drawing a card. I mean, maybe. I just run them both anyway, I think. I think maybe. Like, we've seen this already in this unboxing. There are a few cards that f- seem like they compress a couple of different cards together. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a thing about deck slots. Cool. We've gone on more than long enough yes. about our favourite new card. So yeah, this is our Seeker unboxing. I'm really excited to dig into building an Amanda deck properly and seeing how she plays. I'm quite daunted. Like in solo, I think, you know, it's quite nice to have a strong stat to lean on in solo and yeah. having twos across the board doesn't scream strong stat. But she, do- she doesn't have two stats across the board, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got the emergency cash underneath me. It's I doing th- nothing. I am. Um, <laughs> I am. Uh, I- I made a meme of myself because I was ha- I was in an argument about something totally unrelated to Arkham. And, and yeah. You know that episode of um, Alan Partridge where he's they want to watch all the Bond films, mm. but he, he just all the tapes get destroyed or something. I can't remember. It, but and he's like oh, they're, they're, they're trying to talk about Bond films. He's like, oh, isn't isn't uh, Moonraker the one where this happens? And he's like, no, no, that's a different one. Stop getting Bond wrong. <laughs> That's that's me. Stop getting Amanda wrong. Yeah. Well, then that's also me for blessed and cursed <laughs> and blessed and cursed. <laughs> My word. Like the only person who's suffering is me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Stay tuned because we've got more Innsmouth conspiracy unboxing coming soon. Yeah. Speak to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.